This is Chris Evans, and I'm here again with two guests from Haiku. Uh, I've got Simon Taylor, and I've got Sabaya Sundaram. Guys, good to see you again. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Great to be here. Feels like it was only a few days ago, but actually it was a little bit longer than that. It was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? It was the end of November, beginning of December, so it's all two months ago, in fact. Yeah. Time flies. Time flies. I remember having that difficult conversation where I was dying to tell you what we were about to announce, uh, and I think I teased a bit instead, but uh, it was great to see you in Vegas. Uh, yeah, you too. And funny enough, the reason we're here is to talk about that announcement because you've made a big announcement today, haven't you? Yes, yes. In fact, Haiku just announced uh, the launch of what we call R Cloud, R Cloud, which is the world's first development platform for data protection, which seeks to enable any SaaS vendor anywhere to very easily build a direct integration into Haiku so that we can really democratize the data protection industry and provide a reasonable and less resource intensive capability for any SaaS vendor to build you know, data protection uh, that can support their end customers. Perfect. I'm going to, we'll dive into the, the detail of what the announcement is in a moment, but I think I just want to very briefly touch on something you discussed during the last time we got together. And that was this whole idea of how many SaaS applications actually are out there in the industry. Oof. This is a, you know, the, the SaaS problem is potentially a, a very big problem for data protection because of the explosion in the SaaS platforms that are available. You, you know, Chris, you know this, you know, we talk about at Haiku, keeping everybody safe, building a safer world. But what we're really talking about as a data protection vendor is uh, managing or eliminating the explosion of data silos. You know, there are now 17,000 SaaS services in the United States alone. And when we think about the fact that out of 17,000 SaaS services, only five, you know, only five of them are actually protected by any enterprise data protection vendor in any of the industry reports. So, so if you take the top leading data protection vendors, even according to the Gartner Magic Quadrant, you know, we've gone through those and analyzed how many SaaS services out of 17,000 are actually protected, and it's only five. You know, so, so we did some research on that, and we realized that over 77% of the world's data is now completely unprotected because of SaaS. Uh, and that's really what our cloud was designed to fix. It was designed to you know, address the problem of there being tens of thousands of SaaS vendors and really no reasonable way to protect them. You know, what I like to say is that you know, we realized that we had to turn the industry on its head so that it becomes 17,000 SaaS vendors having a capability to write to Haiku versus the old model of the data protection vendor getting to decide, you know, which of these vendors is lucky enough to get that sort of backup and recovery support. So, so, so we believe that rCloud is truly going to democratize the data protection space uh, and really fundamentally turn it on its head. Excellent. So I'm going to come into exactly how you're going to achieve that in a second. I think I just like to, I'm going to take 10 seconds just to remind everybody very briefly of how data protection generally works. And most, almost, if not all data protection systems look a bit like um, an ETL function. I've actually written a blog post on this, which I actually call it ETIL, just so I've got some sort of official branding on it. You know, don't want to <laughs> use a term that I can't copyright. But essentially, you extract data from a system. You do some transformation on it. You you know you might dedupe it or pick out the bits of the data you want to actually store. 
you'll index it so the customer can do a restore in the, in the future. And then you'll load it up into a, a, a target system like an object store or, you know, it used to be on tape. But if, essentially, they mostly work the same way. Now, if we look at the, the E part, the extract, typically we've used agents, we've used uh, tools like Rman, we've used APIs that are vendors written like VADP, like you know, VMware have written up on our behalf, and you as a uh, data protection vendor have had to code to that API that that vendor's written. Now, when we look at a SaaS environment, you have no exposure to the underlying implementation of that platform. So you are wholly reliant on the SaaS vendor to give you an equivalent API in order to which to pull that data out of that SaaS platform. And I think that's the problem you're re relating to here. Yes. With the fact that there are only five companies have actually got, you know, their data protected. Every SaaS vendor must expose an API for you, the data protection vendor, to back it up. Well, Chris, I'll give a very specific example. I'll, I'll, I won't use the company's name to sort of protect the innocent here, but there, there was a very large, you know, billion-dollar ARR SaaS company out there in Silicon Valley that we spoke to, and they told us that they had been literally begging one of our competitors for three years to build them a backup and recovery integration. And very simply, even though they were a billion dollars in revenue, you know, this specific data protection vendor said, "You're just not." That we don't believe that the TAM is worth investing in. And I think that's the problem. So if that's if a billion dollar company can't convince one of the major data protection vendors to build a backup and recovery pr product for them, you know, what chance does a SaaS vendor with sub 100 million have? None. Yeah. And who ultimately suffers? It's the end customer of those SaaS vendors. They might love the SaaS service, but because of the shared responsibility model that all of these SaaS and hyperscaler platforms use, uh, it essentially means that while they'll provide you with the service, the data's yours and you're on your own. And, you know, we've tried this. We've actually emailed the 75 SaaS services that Haiku uses. And, you know, the we said, look, we lost some data. We need to recover it. In every single case but one, we got an email back, not from the IT department, not from the uh, product departments, but from the legal departments of these SaaS vendors saying it's not on us. It's not on us. We wow. can't help. That's, you know, I, I struggle sometimes to think that, A, we've ended up in this situation, first of all, and B, whether people really understand the extent to which they're exposed in this situation, because I use, you know, half a dozen SaaS services, probably. I use probably what a lot of people do. I use something for CRM. I use something for um, project sure. management, you know, I Office 365, and you hope and you would expect that there is some degree of backup. But those those systems are pretty complex. You know, there's no way that you can do something yourself as an individual that would protect that data. So you're highly incumbent on the vendor having something that allows you to get that back. And it may be, it may be 100% embedded into your process workflow for your business. So, you, yes. you know, you might be really dependent on that, on that platform. Certainly. And honestly, I think our take after doing a lot of research on this in the anticipation of the launch of our cloud, uh, is that it's not actually the SaaS vendor's fault. In many in many cases, the SaaS vendor is looking for a solution, but you know, in order for them to actually provide end customer data protection in a meaningful way, that's not just sort of backup to a CSV file or something. Uh, what ultimately has to happen is they need support and partnership from large data protection vendors, and they simply can't get it. And so, so, you know, I think one of the most incredible aspects of the launch of our cloud is the ability for us to now democratize 
the data protection playing field and really allow SaaS vendors of all size to say, okay, there is something I can do without me investing in data protection, without me building a backup and recovery team of experts, derailing my product roadmap in as little as three days. We're saying that any SaaS vendor can now leverage Haiku's low-code platform, our cloud, to develop a direct integration and give themselves and their end customers the data protection they want and need. Okay, so how's this going to actually work in practice then? So take me through how this will actually sort of look to the um, to the end user. I know we, we're doing this as a podcast, so we haven't got the benefit of screenshots or videos, so we'll have to be creative in, in the way we describe it, but what's the, the, the sort of process? Sure. So, so I'll start with, from the perspective of the SaaS vendor, and then I'll get to the end customer. So if you're a SaaS vendor, you very simply go to protege.haiku.com. You log in as a SaaS vendor. You enter the rCloud low-code development platform. You, know, you uh, follow the wizard and the prompts, and you can very easily build on top of Haiku's protege engine in order to provide end-user data protection that is both enterprise compliant uh, and will really actually provide backup and in UI recovery. Now, what we realized is as an end customer, the data estate suddenly becomes explosively more complex because with 17,000 different SaaS services and the average mid-market company, Chris, now having over 212 different data silos, right? Now, just, just picture that for a moment. You're a mid-market company with maybe 1,000 employees, and yet you've got your data in 212 different places. You know, Sabaya, who's sitting next to me right now, our, our chief product officer and I, were actually at lunch talking about this problem. We said, so once all these SaaS vendors build to Haiku and we're able to uh, afford protection across, you know, hundreds of different SaaS vendors uh, in, in different combinations across different companies and customers, how are we going to make it easy for the end customer to properly manage and protect their entire data estate? And we said, you know, wouldn't it be incredible if we could almost create a treasure map that would visualize for a customer where all of their data is and then make the treasure map interactive so you could click on any of the individual SaaS services that it highlights and add data protection integrations, add policies and apply policies up and down your entire tree. And that's exactly what we did. We invented something called the R graph, R, letter R dash graph. And what our graph does is it it's a patented technology that will leverage your single sign-on architecture so it can then automatically discover where all of the data is and all those data silos are in your environment. But we didn't stop there. After visualizing where all of your data is in this sort of beautiful tree, it then takes it to the next level and says whether or not that data is protected and allows you to simply click on it to pull up the marketplace and add an integration from the SaaS vendor. It is the simplest and easiest way to understand actually how well protected you are as a data environment and as a data estate in modern IT. So with that, Sabaya, I'll pass it over to you. You know, maybe you want to go sort of to the next level of detail here. Yeah, I think before Sabaya kicks in, I just want to say I'm standing here cheering because I've said for so long and it's driven me mad, you know, <laughs> talking about it that really we should be visualizing our data and not our infrastructure. So yes. to hear that you've built a treasure map that talks about data and applications and not about virtual machines and physical boxes is is great because that's ultimately the way that data should be visualized and applications should be visualized. So 
big tick in the box for that one. Sorry, Sabaya. Do thank you, on. Chris. No, we appreciate that. We love to hear that, um, and we do think it's a really me meaningful innovation, you know, for customers. So, if we were to just add to what Simon was saying, Chris, let's take again as Simon is splitting into two parts. What is it for the vendor, and what is it for the customer? Right. If you look at yeah. from a vendor perspective. As I read your blog about the ETIL. It's a, it's a very cool one, I'll tell you. You, you have synthesized it really well. The, the whole idea is that how do we make it simple, right? I mean, as a vendor, if you think about most of the SaaS vendors, they are not experts in data protection. I mean, and they always have a challenge of, is it, do they really have to, the feature? Do they add a backup feature or do they actually add a feature in their own SaaS solution, like a CRM, an ERP, and a healthcare stuff? Obviously, that is more important than the backup itself. That's from a capability perspective. That's where they make their money. That's where we looked at, as Simon said, we went looked at it and we were fortunate that our platform is such a way, built in such a way that it's modular and easy for people to add additional new services. That's how we built it ourselves. Then we said, you know what? We have the platform, but the question is, we got to make it simple. Our entire goal was saying, the person who do we expect to actually build this integration, it's not the core engineering team because they are so focused on already delivering the capabilities. We want the system integrators and their own native uh, architects, solutions architects, who should be able to, who understand their SaaS application really well, should be able to add this service. That is how it's designed. So it was designed with the integrator in mind. What? So if you double click on that, as an integrator, you understand your application really well. You understand your structures. You understand your APIs, but you're not a backup expert. That's where we come into. We say we'll make the, take the platform, make it into a very lightweight, low-code infrastructure. All you have to do is describe the application, provide us the basic backup and recovery functionality, and we will do the rest for you. The scale, the automation, the availability, the policies, everything is built in in the platform. And that's that's what we've done. And so it's a low-code platform. It's there. And as soon as they do, they we have a marketplace management function. So if they want to monetize, which is what majority of the partners want to do, they can monetize and actually they can automatically publish into the marketplace. We will do the validation and they get it. And that's, that's how it happens for the partners. I know I talk too much. So am I making sense? Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to ask you a very... Um... A very specific technical question, which I can imagine people listening to this are going to ask straight away, and that is, well, surely every single SaaS provider has a different data structure, has their own schemas, has their own layout. How on earth can you possibly, here's a horrendous word, I don't even think it's a word, but I'll use it, genericize, <laughs> genericize, is that a word? Um, genericize all of their data structures into something that you can easily uh, exposes an API where they can just pass that data to you and you'll store it in a way that's granular and recoverable. So how can you achieve that? I think, uh, uh, Chris, this is actually, this is the fun part of talking with you. You are a guy who understands the guts of what actually happens. A lot of people say, oh, it's just a, oh, it's simple, just dump and restore. Like if that's the only thing, then we shouldn't be in business right now because that is like customer connected themselves, right? The whole idea, as you said, is that how do you understand the complexity of the application and provide recoverability in the context of the application, in the context of the application granularity, right? That's the challenging part. That's where I'm very happy to say some of the patented technology which we actually are leveraging in our platform. The key thing is that we have come up with a model that we call the service resiliency model, where we service resiliency model, where we are able to describe different applications and their hierarchy in such a way that we can automatically encapsulate them 
capture them at the right level of granularity and be able to recover at the right level of granularity. The icing on the cake, I'll tell you, is that the developer does not have to write a single, or the integrator, I should say, does not have to write a single line of code to do any UI work because the UI is auto-generated based on the definitions which they actually have. That's one of the patents, multiple patents in this particular one, and that's that's what we are very proud of. You also highlighted something very important. I think either you said it or Simon said it, and that's this idea of uh, single sign-on. So I know you ha you have a new partnership and an investment that happened a few months ago, and suddenly, well, now it starts to make sense as to why this company and you are working together because <laughs> that access to that level of information gives you a huge amount of um, direct access into these applications. 100%, Chris. I mean, I think I remember when we first announced our Series B round and we said that Okta and Atlassian were both investing and everyone sort of said, okay, Atlassian, you know, they've got Jira and Confluence in these products. We can imagine you'll back it up one day. What's the deal with Okta? And I think little did anyone know that what we'd actually gone out and talked to them both about was the R-Cloud concept. Over, well over a year ago now, we sat down with Okta and we said, this is what we want to do. We believe that the ability for us to integrate with single sign-on and then build that kind of beautiful tree or treasure map is going to be game-changing in the industry. Um, and it's an incredible use case for your customers. Uh, and I think, you know, the Okta folks got really excited about that, had an opportunity to meet the executive team, the founders, and, you know, Austin Arensberg from uh, Okta Ventures as well was a great advocate. But it was really this R-Cloud story that led the way in terms of their excitement and interest in Haiku, frankly because they're not a data protection vendor, you know, they're doing single sign-on. And I think the fact that we can now leverage that and, and create an even more powerful modality that can not just make their customers aware of what data they have and what data styles they have, but actually protect it as well, uh, is really going one step beyond. Absolutely. Uh, let's just touch on something else that I think Sabai said and highlighted, and that's this idea of how it fits into the marketplace and how you, you would uh, enable charging. Now, imagine you could build your entire um, IT organization on SaaS platforms. You might not ever have any um, infrastructure directly in your, your uh, company. Sure. So as a result, you might not have a relationship with Haiku directly already. What yeah. you might do is still need data protection. So it strikes me that you've got two routes here. You could either charge people who you've already got a relationship with, or you could mm -hmm. just put that billing through the the cloud, sorry, the SaaS provider. SaaS provider now adds that as a new line item, takes a degree of revenue, as now adding some value add to their to their business and making some more revenue off it at the same time. Yes. And Chris, I think you say it very well. We're actually seeing interest in both. So the core um, monetization model is we're charging $1 to $3 per seat uh, per integration, you know, to customers. But what we're also hearing from SaaS vendors is exactly what you say. They say, we've got so many customers that just want this as a checkbox. Um, and we're enabling that functionality as well. So we can actually become a part of the price list of many of these SaaS vendors. And I, I think we're going to see a, a mix of both. The key here from my perspective, and I know from Sabaya's perspective, is to create a frictionless process where customers, where end customers are better protected than they ever have been before. And I think, you know, from my perspective, whichever route to market is easier for them will ultimately rue the day and win the day. Uh, and we need to enable that, you know, both on the, on the SaaS partner side and on the end customer side as well. And I think that's where that perhaps for the first time, there is a true product-led growth, you know, strategy here at play 
that I don't think we've really seen in backup or even in the infrastructure space before. Um, and I think, you know, when Atlassian heard about our cloud, uh, that's exactly how they reacted, to be honest. They, they immediately said, well, this is a great PLG play. You know, this yeah. is exactly what we do. Um, and so Absolutely. I think that's where their, their excitement came from. Yeah, I've been I've been talking about um, data protection as a SaaS feature for some time. Thinking, it seems logical that as we move to to have a mix of SaaS and non-SaaS solutions in our data centers, actually having data protection as a SaaS offering, which could be just a tick box if you really just need to make sure you've got coverage, but actually might be more complex to you. It just seems like the natural evolution of where data protection is headed. Yeah, obviously it gives you more work as a vendor to make sure you're rock solid and protected from you know the bad guys out there who are trying to attack you yes. but ultimately it seems like the right place i just have one more i guess question around the technical side and that's just to understand what exactly you're offering here so this might sound like a strange question but you would hope that a lot of these SaaS providers have got the ability to recover their environments should something go wrong so say the, the whole environment dies mm. clearly that's a recovery for physical infrastructure failure. You're giving something slightly different. You're coming in and giving application-based recovery, object-based recovery of yes. content for that customer. So it doesn't strike me that you're directly replacing the disaster recovery capability of that SaaS vendor, although you could. But right. more, moreover, you're, you're, you're more data-focused, more object and application-focused than, you know, than infrastructure recovery. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. I think we need to break it down into two different silos because if you call up a SaaS vendor and say, do you back up your data? They're all going to say yes. And what they mean by yes is their critical infrastructure internally that supports their business is protected. And I think what Sabai and I realized is that the end customers get left out of that equation entirely. And when the end customer says, hey, I deleted my data by mistake or I had a malicious actor in here who deleted some things or, you know, our systems went down on the end customer side. Hey, Mr. SaaS vendor, can I have the data back for myself? That's where the breakdown occurs. And okay. that's where the SaaS vendors have no answer. And so when we talk about democratizing data protection, absolutely a SaaS vendor could use us internally using Haiku Protege and all our other integrations to support their internal environments. But the R cloud concept is really focused on, SaaS vendors have a responsibility to ensure that their end customers can recover their data the more that those customers become dependent on the SaaS service, you know, across their entire environment. And so we want to facilitate that recovery and make it as simple as possible so that instead of saying that 77% of data is unprotected worldwide, we can get that number down each and every year. And I think if we do that, that's a that's really a lifelong mission and something that Haiku um, is entirely focused on building a safer world. Yep, great. Now let's go back to the very beginning of our conversation, as we sort of wrap up the, this discussion. We go around right to the very beginning. Sure. And you talked about seventeen thousand SaaS applications. Yes. Now, clearly, if you are the you are as a vendor are, are wanting to support as many SaaS applications as you as you possibly can, even if the SaaS provider had an API for you to code for seventeen thousand applications. We'd still be here in a, a thousand years as you <laughs> as you, as you right. roll that out, or you're going to have to employ half the developers in the world to build yes. the infrastructure to do that, which yes. you know, isn't cost scalable, isn't practical, and all the rest of it. Having listened to what you've actually said, it seems to me that you've sort of flipped the um, the argument here a little bit, and you've reversed it. So for every SaaS vendor that comes along, they build an API which exposes data for backup. 
you then build an API or a set of functions that goes and takes that data. Every one of those is a unique design from both sides. Actually, what you're saying here is you've given something completely uh, optimized where you build an API once that everybody else can write to. And then it's as the SaaS developer evolves their system, writes their system, they write to you once. And unless you change your API for some reason, they can you know put more data into that setup anytime they like. You know anything they do to modify the data that they want to back yes. up for a customer because some becomes something that's still their responsibility. You don't have to change anything. You know so for instance, say a SaaS provider adds ten more new fields to their architecture or puts a new object into their architecture, you're not rewriting that API on your side to, to take that additional backup. So potentially. The, one of the big things here is that you fix the scalability problem. You fix the scalability problem from both sides of the argument. That's right. And I'll, and I'll tell you this, uh, not to be too pithy here, but you know, I, I had a, a mentor at some point in my career and he said to me, Simon, if you're running a business, you don't want to be thinking for a thousand people. You want a thousand people thinking for you. And you know, as we were sitting there thinking about the scalability problem in terms of exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, how do you build backup and recovery one source at a time for 17,000 SaaS vendors, you simply can't. And that's when we said, it shouldn't be Haiku building data protection for 17,000 SaaS vendors. We need a platform that enables those 17,000 SaaS vendors to have a place they can go to write to Haiku uh, and to be able to offer their end customers the data protection that they so rightly deserve. And that's exactly what our cloud is all about. And that's why we're so incredibly excited to be launching it today. So it all sounds great, Simon. I mean, you know, fantastic. It sounds like you've done a great job, but obviously the, you know, what we want to see is what do we do next? How do we go and see this? How do we use it? How do we engage? So first of all, if you're a customer, I guess it's going to come from the SaaS vendor side. If you're a SaaS vendor, you need to get in touch and get on and start using this. What's yes. the, um, the way for people to follow up on this? Well, they can go to www.hycu.com. That's www.haiku.com. Our plan is to have over 100 SaaS integrations in the marketplace by the end of 2023, the calendar year 2023. Uh, we've already got more than a dozen ready to go, and we're looking forward to having customers, our 3,600 customers, try them immediately. Uh, but really, anybody worldwide who wants to get started should give us a call. Uh, and certainly, any SaaS vendor that's looking to protect their end customer data, we're, will, we're standing by ready to, uh, to have those conversations. Simon, fantastic. Sabaya, uh, Simon, great to talk to you again and looking forward to see how this evolves. It's going to be really interesting to see. Thank you so much, Chris. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Chris.